Hi, I'm so glad you decided to join us today. My name's Scott. I serve as one of the pastors here. I don't care if yesterday you were under the covers because you were sad. I don't care if you were under the covers yesterday because you had too much turkey. Uh, I don't care what happened yesterday. I'm glad you're here today. I'm glad you decided to be here this morning. You got out of bed and you made it here, and uh, I'm really, really glad that you decided to be here today. Great day for you to be here. Uh, we're starting a new sermon series uh, today, and I'm, in a moment we're going to read a passage of Scripture together. Before we do that, let me give you two um, really quick things about what's going on. Next Sunday following the service is a parent meeting for anyone who has a middle school student or high school student. For about an hour, 1230 to 130, you'll get a chance to meet Reed Sapp, our new student pastor, if you haven't met him. And he's going to be talking about what student ministry is going to be doing in the next year and how that will affect your family and uh, and your students. And so I would encourage you to be there after the service. I'll be there. My first parent meeting as a parent of a middle schooler. I am terrified. Um, but <clears throat> I hope you'll be there too. All right. Uh, now, the other thing is uh, this Christmas offering. We want to every year we want to give away uh, a huge sum of money and bless our community and bless our world. And our goal this year is, is $75,000. On the 18th is our annual Christmas concert, which is, it's an amazing experience. We'll have tickets for that starting next week. Um, but it's a, that same day we're going to receive an offering, and we want to give $75,000 away. Every penny of it that's given will be given away. And um, last year, if you remember, for the Christmas offering, we gave to our neighbors. We'll talk about that in a second. But we also gave to an organization called Free the Girls. Free the Girls is an organization uh, that started in Mozambique. It's uh, a church in Chesterton. One of our sister churches is a huge partner of theirs. And what they do is they collect bras, use bras, they give them to women who have been human trafficked, and they start a business in developing countries selling that item, and um, they get themselves, lift themselves out of poverty and away from human trafficking. It's a powerful thing. And last year you gave uh, money to that, and I was actually at a fundraiser for that organization just about four or five weeks ago, and um, some of the leaders of that wanted to say thank you via video, and so I want you to watch this real quick, 30 seconds. So you, yeah, <clears throat> you made a difference last year. You made a difference last year to women literally around the world. So thank you for doing that. Now this year, globally, we want to, of that 75000 we want to give $15,000 to Kujip Nazarene Hospital in Papua New Guinea. It's in the highlands of Papua New Guinea where it's still very tribal culture, rural, cult, rural culture. And they serve thousands of patients. They're the only hospital for miles around. They serve thousands of patients. In fact, in um, the summer, this summer, Dr. Scott Dooley, who's the administrator of that hospital, was here. And... Um, we're going to give that to make it possible for them to reach more patients and serve them medically, and they do that all in the name of Jesus. Now, the other thing we're going to do, we need your help in a huge way, is uh, we want to bless 300 families in need in some way, shape, form, or fashion. Here's what that means. That means you can't count on the person in front of you, the person behind you, to your right or to your left. You yourself are going to have to look around and say, who is somebody I know that has a need? Now, it may be someone you know well. It may be someone you don't know well at all. And all you do is you nominate them. You go to the, the website, reallifecc.org slash Christmas. You can nominate online there, or you can grab a, a paper form at the Start Here desk. 
and you nominate. The deadline for that is, uh, I want to say, December the 11th, uh, Sunday, so a couple Sundays away. And you nominate them, and then when we give the Christmas offering together on December the 18th, we cut a check. You take that check, and you will deliver that to them. It's a powerful experience. We need you to be a part of that and participate in doing that. Well, I'm going to read a passage of Scripture, as is our practice here, and then we're going to look at what it means for our lives. So I'd invite you to stand with me, if you would, out of reverence for God's Word. And I'll read a familiar passage, I hope, to you uh, out of the Christmas story in Luke chapter 2. And um, you can follow along if you have a Bible. I invite you to open it, leave it there. We'll be looking at this passage together this morning. Luke chapter 2. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people today. In the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in claws and lying in a manger. And suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. Now would you read these last two verses out loud with me together? When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Thank you. Thank you for standing. I want to talk to you today out of this Christmas story and the the shepherds, um, about what it's like, maybe you've experienced this, to be an outsider. Uh, I don't know if you've ever had the experience of being someone and you felt like you just don't belong and you just don't fit in. Everybody knows something you don't. Everybody has some insight that you don't have. And you feel like a perpetual outsider. And attached to that is the condition uh, that we have to have in order to receive the gifts that God wants to give to us. So I'm going to talk to you about that uh, this morning. Now, this is the first Sunday in what's called Advent. If you've been around the church, you've heard that word before. If not, you probably have at least heard the word. Advent means, uh, means a, a coming or an appearing or something that's m- moving toward us. Um, so we could talk about the advent of the internet. When the internet came, it changed everything, right? It changed uh, the fact that we don't pay attention to each other anymore. We look at our phones, right? It did that. Wow, what a blessing. Uh, <clears throat> kidding. Some of you don't know me, and that's fine. Uh, so, but the, that came, right, came into the world and changed things. Well, the Advent is about the coming of Jesus into our world, and our understanding is that when Jesus came into the world, it changed things forever. It changed your, the possibilities for your life, it changed the destiny of possibility for your life, and so we're going to spend some time looking at the Christmas story through the lens of the different characters in the Christmas story. Now, I will tell you, uh, if you want to join us, we, we, we're really creative with the title of our series called Christmas is Not Your Birthday. We stole it from a book. Uh, by a pastor named Michael Slaughter. You can get a copy of that, this book, and follow along if you want in the Resource Center. Um, but I'd encourage you to, to do that. Um, but here's what, here's what Advent's about. Advent is about the meaning of Christmas. And we often miss the meaning of Christmas, don't we? I mean, we, we kind of get caught up in the parties, and uh, we get caught up in the gifts and the decoration, and, the, and maybe there'll be snow. Uh, we get caught up in the lights, uh, my middle son, Corbin, uh, has, from the time he could talk, basically, every Christmas, he has begged me for lights on our house, and I've refused every year. I'm not, A, I'm not going to kill myself so I can light up my house for 
30 days. Um, and B, I'm just lazy that way, and I don't want to do it, right? So uh, they said, no, we're not doing it, we're not doing it. So this year, finally, uh, I found out I'd like to buy stock in this company. Whoever it was that found out you could buy this little bulb you put in your yard, you stick in a stake, and it spreads lights on your house. I'm like, the advent, has, uh, the advent of the technology, yes! So I'm cheap, I'm lazy, I'll go get that. So Black Friday, uh, I, I've never gone to the store on Black Friday. I will never go again on Black Friday. <clears throat> and uh, I think something's wrong with you if you do, but okay, we still love you, but I don't know what, what, what that is. But, so I, I decided, you know, I'm not going to get up at 6 in the morning. I'm going to go at like 4 in the afternoon, and it was kind of like a normal day. It really wasn't bad. So I get to Lowe's, and uh, I'm looking for these specific lights, and I, I look, and I'm looking all over the shelves, I look around the corner, no lights. What am I going to do? I've promised this to my son. So I go to the guy, and I see that the, the, the display's there, and I say, hey, can I buy the display? So he goes back, punches numbers in the computer for an hour, and then comes back to me, says, yeah, I'll sell them to you for 10 bucks a piece. I'm like, 10 bucks a piece? Yes! Woo! Black Friday. I love Black Friday. I'm going to go next year. No, I'm, I'm kidding. So I, I for 10 bucks, uh, for two of them, for 20 bucks, I've uh, still got to go home today, and I've got to put it all, all together because half the parts were missing, and I've got to figure all that out. But we, we miss it, right? We miss Christmas in those kinds of things, don't we? All those kinds of things happen, and they make us miss the real meaning of Christmas. I told you, if you're here last week, I think in this service, that a study was done that said that during the Christmas season, your heart, the average person's heart rate goes up 33%. Not because we're excited, but because of the stress of all these things. Now, think about all those things, the parties and the decorations and the lights. None of those things were present the first Christmas. And it still happened anyway, right? We have a tendency to miss uh, the meaning of Christmas. So what we have to do is we have to intentionally look at Christmas differently. And when we look at the Christmas story, one of the reasons we read the Christmas story every year is to help us not be overcome by the forces that are trying to make us redefine what Christmas is about. Because what, what is Christmas celebrating? Just, just call it out to me. What, what, what do we celebrate on Christmas? Right? Birth of Jesus, Right? And if you were to dial down on what that means, what we're saying when we say that, that Jesus came into the world is that God gave his best gift to the world on Christmas. That's what Christmas is about. He sent his son. Now, the songs keep it there for us, right? You can go on Black Friday, and you can be elbowing someone over a 50-inch screen TV for 300 bucks while you hear over the head, he rules the world with truth and grace. Bam! You know, I mean, you can, right? You can, you can have all that happening at the exact same time. But that, that message, that message about the meaning of Christmas gets distorted by this idea that Christmas is really my birthday. It's really about me. Now, I think there are a couple reasons for that. One are, are the cultural expectations around Christmas, you know, that we'll have carols and there'll be eggnog and there'll be trees and Santa. I came home uh, earlier this week and my daughter said, hey, Dad, <coughs> she's seven, and she said, Dad, here's my Christmas list that I wrote to Santa. I'm like, okay, I think we got a picture here. Uh, because I had to rewrite this yesterday because I thought, man, this will be a great sermon illustration. Where's your, where's your, I said, where's your list, Carrington? She said, Dad, I put it in the mail to the North Pole. <laughs> so, and, and I'm going, okay, now you need to understand something about our house. We don't play up Santa. Uh, we, don't, we didn't tell her that you put it in the mail to the North Pole. Uh, as a seven-year-old, she picked up on the cultural messages about Christmas that makes us miss the meaning of Christmas. I mean, that's cute, but it's not the meaning of Christmas. Now, I think the other thing that, that affects uh, how we understand what Christmas is about is our own heart, because we all have the ability 
to turn everything into something about us. Because if we're honest, isn't this the truth? You see your own life as a movie and everyone else is a character in the movie about you. Isn't that true? Uh, the Augustine, who was one of the early church fathers, he said it this way. He said, the definition of sin is when we curve in on ourselves. It's this inward curve. And I know this about myself. I know that unattended, I'll turn everything into something about me. And I miss the meaning of Christmas, and I miss the condition of my heart that's necessary to receive Christmas. So we're looking today at the shepherds and and their uh, role in the Christmas story. They're only mentioned in the Gospel of Luke. Um, We've been working our way through Matthew, and Matthew doesn't mention the shepherds, so we're, we're stopping in Luke today. Um, And there's uh, a history to the shepherds. In the Old Testament, they were an important part of the economy. Uh, Your wealth was measured by your flocks and your herds, and so you had to have people to take care of them. And so the shepherds was kind of an important role. But over time, by the time of Jesus, it had kind of devolved into uh, people who were looked down on. So the religious leaders, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, they had a whole set of rules about who was in and who was out with terms uh, with relationship to God and uh, religion. And so they would say things like, um, if you met a shepherd, they were by definition incompetent because who else would do a job like that? They said that if you bought something from a shepherd, if you bought wool or milk or whatever from a shepherd, you could just assume that it was stolen because that was the character of people who would become uh, a shepherd. In fact, one of the uh, one of the do- one of the documents that the, the Jewish people have is called the Mishnah. Can you say that? Say Mishnah. The Mishnah is a, an interpretation of the scriptures. And in the Mishnah, what they say is, uh, don't feel obligated to rescue a shepherd who's fallen into a pit. They're not worth it. Uh, in the words of one of the political candidates in this last political season, the shepherds were the original basket of deplorables. They were the original outsiders. They were the original riffraff. They were the original thugs. They were the original original, uh, criminals. Now, here's what's interesting. Who is it that God picks to be the first people to hear the joyful message of Christmas? Who is it? Is it the religious leaders? Is it the educated people? Is it the people with money? Is it the people who have the right connections? No, it's these people right here. It's the, the, the nobodies, the deplorables, the outsiders, the misfits, the loneliest, the, the neediest. They were the first ones to hear the message of Christmas. Now, what's the message of Christmas? Well, verse 10 is the message that the angels give to the shepherds. Now, it says in, in the passage in Luke 10 there, 10 there that when the, the shepherds saw the angels, they were terrified. Now, it doesn't do justice in the English language to say what was there. Actually, in the original language, it's something like, they had to change their pants. I mean, I'm I'm not trying to be silly with that. It's just literally what, it was an utterly terrifying experience. And the angel said, don't be afraid because we have a good message for you. And they said, the message was that there's good news uh, that will be, cause great joy for all the people. Today in the city of David, a savior has been born to you. He's Christ, he's the Messiah, he's the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You'll find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. Now, you've, if you've been around church, you've heard those words. And you know, that's kind of, probably in some way, kind of comforting to you, even if you maybe don't believe. You're kind of like, oh, that's so sweet. That first Christmas, the, that meant nothing to those shepherds. They didn't have the education to understand what was being said to them. They didn't um, have the background in Sunday school to know that this was the Christmas story and what all those words mean. 
Because all those words were coded meanings. So that word good news was the same word that when the, the, the armies of Rome would go and conquer somewhere, someone, they would send a runner and that runner would go back to the city with good news. He would announce the good news. The, he, would be called, he was called the evangelist and he would go and announce the good news that we've won another victory. Uh, and that it will cause great joy. This is the word that the wise men felt when they saw the star. They felt great joy. If you were here last week when we talked about how you're the pearl, and we looked at the story of the treasure hidden in the field, and the man in his joy went and sold everything. This is the word that's used right here. It said, so he will be a savior. He will be, this was a coded political word at the time about someone who will rescue people from oppression. And he'll be the, the Messiah, the Christ, the, the one who's anointed by God to lift people out of their situation. And he'll be the Lord. He'll be the ruler. Now, all of these words are great words, and they're great concepts, and they're great ideas behind them, but they were totally lost on the, the shepherds. If it had been up to me, I'd have said, God, those are some great words. You ought to send them to the, the people with the education to get it and understand it. But God, here's what I figured out. God is a lot smarter than me. Because the, the Pharisees wouldn't have gotten it. They were way too proud. They didn't have the condition of heart that's necessary to receive what God has to say. And so God sent, them, God sent that message to the shepherds because he's smarter than me. Now, I, I don't know what the moment uh, was like after that. You know, this, these angels and this choir shows up and says, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace to men on whom his favor rests. And I, I don't know, was it crickets after that? I mean, did they look at each other? I don't, I don't know what they did. Uh, what Luke says they did is they just looked at each other and said, well, let's go, verse 15, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that's happened, which the Lord has told us about. Now this, uh, we're looking at all these characters because they each tell us something about the message of Christmas, the real message of Christmas. So what does this tell us about the message of Christmas? What do we learn from it? Well, what's Christmas about again? Right, birth of Jesus, right? Which is what it's about, God giving his best gift to the world. Now here's what this tells us about what God thinks about that gift that he's giving us. It tells us that he always brings it to the worst people first. He brings it to the least knowledgeable and the least deserving and the least worthy. Now this, if this is not offending you, it ought to offend you because this is us. This is how we respond to things like that. When we think about life and what you get in life, we, here's what we say. We say, you get what you earn. That's the reality of life. I, I try and teach this to my kids. I try and give them consequences if they don't do what's necessary because I know the harsh reality of life is no one's going to hand them a job and no one's going to hand them a house and no one's going to hand them a car. You got to work to earn all that stuff, right? So I want to send them the message as quick as I can. Listen, buck it up, buddy. You get what you earn in life. It's your fault that happened. The message of Christmas is not like that. The message of Christmas is that we get what God gives us. So this is different. If you, if you really understand that, it ought to offend you. You ought to be like, what? What are you saying? I only get what God, I don't get what I earned and is rightfully mine. No, you get what God gives you. What does God give? God gives his son. God gives his best gift. That's what God wants to give to you. And if you think you don't need it, you don't have the condition of heart necessary to receive it. See, the shepherds, they knew they didn't deserve anything. We're the deplorables. No one likes us. We're the useless. So they're the perfect recipients of the message. Now, now, listen, the religious leaders, the political leaders, they were too proud because you know what they would have done? They would have looked at themselves and they would have said, now listen, do you think I got here because I'm stupid? Do you think I'm nobody? I, I got in this position in my life? I'm somebody. You better know that I'm somebody. And so they didn't have the condition of heart necessary to actually receive the message. They were too proud. 
Now, you think you're different, and I think I'm different, and we go, well, I, you know, I wouldn't be like them. I'd be like the shepherds, and I'd receive the message, and I'd get it. I, I don't think that's the case. I don't think we know ourselves well enough. I think we love respectability so much that we can't see how needy we are. I think we love the fact that we, we've, made it, we've made something of ourselves. But the shepherds hadn't made anything of themselves, and that was the condition that was necessary to receive the message. Now, this is why, this is why we confuse the meaning of Christmas, and we secretly think that it's our birthday. You know what? We think secretly, if we're honest, that we deserve it. I, I think in July sometimes about something I'd like for Christmas. My kids certainly remind me when we're walking down the toy aisle, hey, Dad, in July, at Christmas, I want... And if I'm honest, I agree because I think I deserve it. Christmas ought to be my birthday because I've worked so hard this year. I've earned it. Now, this is the good news of Christmas, and it's why it's kind of offensive, if you really understand it. It's good news if you're needy. It's good news if you're lonely. It's good news if you're an outsider. It's good news if you're the riffraff. If, if that describes you, you're one of the people who doesn't quite get it, and you've always felt like you're an outsider, Christmas is for you. If you know you need it, then you can have it, and you can identify with the shepherds. And, but you have to see your deplorable condition. Now, what do I mean? I mean, you have to see that you're a ragamuffin. Do you know what a ragamuffin is? Ragamuffin's one of those kind of street urchin children who are dirty and orphaned and have no parents, which is a nice abstract concept until you see a picture like this. And you go, oh, wait, there are real kids like that? Now, I'm not, I'm not trying to say, because see, sometimes people think Christians are all about beating people down and making you feel awful for yourself. I'm not trying to say that. We don't see this picture and say these kids are, are worthless, do we? We look at these kids, and the reason it's so heartrending to us is because we say, this, these are human beings. They're worth everything. And how it happened that, that this is all they've got in life, these two little kids taking care of each other. What, how did that happen? This has to be a picture of what we recognize about ourselves, because see, they're worth everything. The, the problem with the picture is that they're in incredible need and no one can rescue them. That's the problem with the picture. That's how you have to see yourself. You have to go, I'm in a situation that I can't remedy on my own and I need outside help, right? Because ragamuffins are people who know that they are helpless. They've found out um, that they are helpless. That's what a ragamuffin is. So you have to, say, you have to see the, the condition that's necessary. You have to see yourself as a spiritual ragamuffin. Because the shepherds were ragamuffins. Now, um, this is nice. This is a nice story, right? And we could walk, go home and go, oh, wow, that was, that was interesting. Uh, but you have to do something with this because the message of Christmas requires a response because it got a response from the shepherds and it got a response from the wise men and it got a response from Mary and Joseph. And so you got to be a response. And here's what I would suggest. If you're going to receive the true message of Christmas and you're going to keep it from being your birthday this year and just repeating, add, wash, rinse, and repeat Christmas again this year, um, you're going to have to do something different, and I would suggest three things that you've got to do differently. Um, here's the first thing, is that you've got to worship, worship the baby, not the image. Because see, when the angel said there's this Savior who's going to be the Savior of the world, then you're going to have to go, and you're going to see a sign. The sign is you're going to find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes. See, those are two contrasting images. How can a baby be a Savior? That doesn't even make sense. How do you get that? So you have to worship the baby, not the image, because we, we want the person who's going to fix everything right now. Uh, we kind of confuse, don't we, Santa Claus and Jesus? We kind of, many people have a Santa Claus Jesus that they really serve. I'll give you some differences between Santa Claus Jesus and the real Jesus. In the Santa Claus Jesus and the real Jesus, in both cases, they know when you're sleeping, right? 
Okay, right, it's true of Jesus, it's true of Santa Claus, right? He knows when you're sleeping, knows when you're awake. Uh, but here's where, that's the only, only thing they share in common, because for the Santa Claus Jesus, the Santa Claus Jesus gives you gifts if you're good, and the real Jesus gives gifts, and he gives them to the bad. Uh, the Santa Claus Jesus, what he does is he gives you, if you're bad, what do you get in your stocking? Coal, right? Uh, the real Jesus goes to, cro- goes to the cross for the bad. Uh, the Santa Claus Jesus only comes if you're nice, so be good for goodness sake. This is, this is how many people see, the real, see Jesus. The real Jesus comes for the naughty and for the nice. So you, you got to worship the, the baby, not the image that you have, not the, the Santa Claus version of Jesus. That's the first way out of making Christmas all about you and making it your birthday. Second is this, is that you've got to accept the grace of God. What do I mean? The grace of God is just a, is an English version of the word gift in the Greek language. It's the gift of God. It's the kindness of God. It's his son coming into the world. And you have to accept the grace of God for your sins, which means that you have to recognize that without God, you're a moral mess, that your life is a mess, and you've made decisions that have taken you down paths they wish you could come back from. And you've got to go, that's me, I'm guilty. And when the Bible says that we're all sinners, it's not labeling a group of people and, and putting some people in categories. It's just saying we're all the same. We're all in the same bucket. We're all in the bucket of deplorables, and we all need help, and we can't get out. So you've got to accept the grace of God for your sin, not your, will, your, your ability to earn your way out of being a good person so God will not like you. You accept the gift of God, the forgiveness of God for your sins. But you also have to accept the gift of God for your faults and for your limits. See, some of us think that God will only love us when we grow up some more. Man, if I could just get rid of that fault and this character flaw, maybe then God would love me. Some of us uh, think that God's waiting for us to overcome all of our weaknesses, and then, then finally we'll be okay in his eyes. You have to accept the grace of God for your faults uh, and for your limits and for your sins. In uh, the summer, my kids like to go to the water park, and um, there's always this part at the water park with these little kitty area with little fountains, and my kids are getting older now, and they don't like that as much anymore, but all these little fountains that spray out, and then there's always, usually in one of those water parks, this feature of this big bucket, and what happens with the bucket is it fills up, and it's angled in such a way that when it fills up, it finally tips over and dumps all of its contents on the kids, and the kids will all gather around it, and they'll wait, and they'll be like, ah, and the water will dump on them. Here's what I know about the bucket, right? There are no preconditions for standing under the bucket. You don't have to have a certain, be a certain age. You can be eight or you can be 82. You don't have to have a certain moral standing. You don't have to have a certain knowledge of the Bible. You don't have to go to church. You don't have to know anything about God or Jesus at all. Anybody that wants to, anyone who wants to come can stand under the bucket and receive what is dumped on them. This is what the grace of God is like. It's like the bucket of God's love. And there are no conditions for standing underneath it. So you have to accept the grace of God. And accepting the grace of God just means standing under the bucket. It doesn't mean you got to get yourself all worked up. You're okay, all right. If you've, you love me and you forgive me and I'm in the condition of being the needy person and i got to have what is dumped out of the bucket. you got to accept the grace of God. Uh, the third thing, for, so the first thing is worship the baby, not the image. Second is accept the grace of God. Third is that you've got you to pay grace forward. What do I mean by that? I don't mean that you pay for grace because, see, many people think, well, God was kind to me, so i gotta, I got to pay, pay for that. I owe for that. No, no. It means that when you've stood under the bucket and it's been dumped on you and you understand, man, it got dumped on me and I didn't, I, I didn't do anything to deserve that, then you take that grace and you pay it forward to someone else. Because here's what I know about a ragamuffin. A ragamuffin who's been found helps the helpless. See, a ragamuffin knows they're helpless, but when they've been found, they help the helpless. 
So you become the kind of person that you pay grace forward to people. So when you're kind to someone, when you could be mean, you're paying grace forward. When someone's talking about someone and you choose not to deride that person's character when they're not around and you choose not to gossip about them, what you're doing is you're paying the grace forward. But you find, see what you do, uh, what a ragamuffin does is you find, okay, I'm a ragamuffin. That's my condition. I recognize now that I'm in the same boat as everybody and so I'm going to find someone else. I'm going to pay that grace forward because they need the same love and grace and kindness that I've got. So that's why we're doing this Christmas offering is we want you to nominate someone. We want you to... We want you to pay it forward. We want you to pay the grace of God forward. And then what happens is you're not in the condition where you look at other people and you go like, I'm up here and they're down here and I'm, I'm super okay and they're super needy. You go, well, you know what? We're all in the same boat. And so you don't look at them with pity. You look at them with compassion. And you go, oh, that could be me for a set of other circumstances. And so you go, okay, well, I'm going to pay the grace forward. I'm going to pay the grace forward. So if you want to get into the real meaning of Christmas and you want to understand that Christmas is not your birthday, you, you have to worship the baby and not the image. And you've got to accept the grace of God for you and then pay the grace of God forward. I want to pray for you and then um, we're going to be done. I invite you to stand with me if you would. Uh, let's pray. God, we are so good at Christmas. Uh, we got our recipes and our traditions and our trees and our decorations. Uh, we've got presents that we're thinking about buying. And um, God, in all honesty, we, we miss it. We miss that it's not about us and our birthday. and It's not about the gifts that we give. It's about the gifts that you give. And you send your son into the world on our behalf. On the behalf of us, the deplorables, the nobodies, the needy people, the lonely people, the misfits. You send your son for us. So God, we, um, we accept that's, that's our true, that's our condition without you. And so we, we just want to stand under the bucket and let your love and your grace get dumped on our heads and have it change us. So, uh, God, we change our minds about Christmas, and we change our minds that it's not our birthday. Uh, we want to make it about you and meeting the needs of people that you love so much. So we ask for your help in doing that, and all God's people said, amen. Hey, after the service, uh, we have a prayer team that's down front. If you need healing for anything in your life, physically, emotionally, if you'd like to pray uh, with someone there'll be a prayer some people down front you can pray with them we do that every week but we leave you with a blessing every week and you'll see people around you holding out their hands that's just simply their way of saying i'd like a blessing and if you'd like a blessing you can hold out your hands and receive it if, if you're okay doing that and just receive this blessing and may you know the love of god for you a ragamuffin may it sink in that without god that's what you are but that he loved you so much that he sent his son for you so you're sent now from this place to love God with all of your heart, to love your neighbor as yourself, to serve the world in Jesus' name. Hug somebody, tell them you love them. See ya.